Hey, it's the Shoot in the Sheet podcast. This is Jay. I did a kind of bad cold opening that was awful jokes and a little gross. So instead, I've re-recorded this new cold opening. Let's get on with the episode. What up, ever- <laughs> What's up, everybody? It's the Shoot in the Sheet podcast. I'm Jay. I'm Miles. I'm also Jay. <laughs> oh, alrighty. That'll uh, come up later on in the podcast. That'll really, make sense a little later. I really didn't want that to even show up in the podcast at I all. I specifically rephrased it so that it would be uh, an extremely weird thing to hear. Okay. Great. Great. Alrighty. So, how are you, Miles? How, um, how's it going? I'm, I'm pretty alright. I'm, like, not feeling outstanding right now, but I'm, I'm, I'm good, you know? Negative COVID test and everything. I'm I'm good overall. Ooh, girl, you match us. We got some negative tests ourselves the other day. As yeah. we are approaching the winter months, Miles, what is the ecosystem where you are in California? Um. Well, we got about two minutes of rain yesterday. Wow, that must be freezing. God, I feel like getting putting some long johns on just thinking about that. I mean, we've turned off our AC, so... It's basically, I mean, I keep it, that's basically winter, way right? Way too late. What, what about your fans? You still have your fans on, though? Oh, of course. And right now, my okay. we've been opening, like, the sliding doors, because uh, we don't really have many windows, but we do have sliding doors. Um, we've been opening those in the evenings to get, like, a, a lot of nice cold air, or at least I have, because I'm the only one who's not accustomed to horrible desert planet. Um, but I, I can't have that open right now because my neighbor's dogs are barking so much that it did actually show up on the recording during uh, my sound test. So I'm actually sweating right now. (laughs) Well, that's worth it though, because of how podcast listeners all notoriously despise dogs and never want to see pictures of them when they hear them. I love dogs so much, especially mine. Well, I don't have any the, uh, pictures of these dogs because I make it a habit not to take pictures over my neighbor's fences. That's that's <laughs> weird. I don't know. I don't, for dogs, no. look, you could easily just tell them, look, it's for dogs. And they would say, <laughs> yeah, let me see your phone. Let me go through your gallery and be like, okay. We... And it's just dogs and then also your own dick. But you can see that's time state. Oh, that's God. time dated. That's time stamped from like seven days ago so that doesn't count it's a little ramshackle but we finally got um most of our tree up and (laughs) aside from some d20 lights that we have on there and some uh zelda rupee lights which to be honest just look like normal christmas lights Mm -hmm. uh the most prized um decoration on there um is a picture of cisco where he just looks it he looks like he's having a school photo. I can't think of another way of phrasing it, but he's like looking off to the upper left corner of the picture and just smiling widely. We put that right at the top of the tree. Like he's really trying to smile like mm-hmm. a school photo. Um, hey. I will post. <laughs> no, sorry. Yeah, no, you. Oh, no. Um, do you do uh, Christmas trees? Um. Yeah, last time we we put it up and then... Uh, it's a little bit of a bummer story, but we put up our Christmas tree in December of 2020, and then, like, three days later, Bonnie's mom tested positive for COVID, 
So that was just, like, emotionally exhausting for quite a while. She is alright now. Um, uh, but we left that Christmas tree up until, like, April or May. Because it was just like, well, we can't be bothered to take it down yet because it's still horribly stressful around here. And then by that point, it was just like, well, we might as well just leave it up. Um, yeah. Uh, no, the I only mean, thing I'm... I was going to say is just, Jay, when you said it's a little ramshackle, it sounded like the cadence, it seemed like you were continuing the bit of me describing my dick to my neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> well, um... You know what? It's okay if that's also a little ramshackle, too. Miles' dick is a real fixer-upper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? It's fine. Miles, we love you no matter anything. No matter what the, uh... <laughs> no matter what the market value of your dick is. <laughs> okay. I hear, uh... What is it? It's like Blackwater. It's Venture Capitals buying up all the dicks for, like, 50000 above, like you know, initial rate, initial offer. So, okay. Uh, worstiary. Some places, they write a bestiary. You know, or bestiary, which isn't accurate, but we're pretentious nerds here. Um, but, so we don't have a bestiary, because we're pretty dumb people here. So we have a worstiary. And you gave us a topic to think about, which you can I really can punch. Do. You can really punch up that intro, I mean, for brevity. Yes, thank it's you. It's just like Listen, I'm I'm like puttering around because um for okay. no reason. My concept that I gave uh the podcast yesterday for to start the best Jerry is just uh mushrooms. What do you got for mushrooms? Uh I actually have two things for mushrooms. One inspired See, I by I knew I knew Miles it would be so easy to get Miles, Miles going on this. Can I have one of them? Um yeah, I guess. Sweet. Um, <laughs> here's, here's finally I can't the beam the idea from to your the, uh, brain. cold opening of the podcast that was talking about my mushroom thing. Okay. Oh, wait, I think I... I wanted to make that okay. clear so that nobody thought that my mushroom things hurt dogs. I mean, okay, technically I guess I have three, but mostly it's just two. Um, and even then it's really just one, but like the two are broader concepts. Um, so the first one actually comes from something that I've already done. Uh, at one point in a Pathfinder game, I had a character who wanted to play a, oh, I can't remember if they were a druid or a ranger, but they had an animal companion, but they wanted to go like a very fungal based ranger druid. So I let them just make a fungal version of, um, of whatever animal companion they were capable of having so they made like this big ass giant wolf spider but made of fungus and it was cool as hell and like whenever it shot webs it was slime mold that it coated them in and it was just it was fucking awesome and also they were oh, yeah. playing How a does small creature <laughs> yeah uh but they were playing a small creature so they're uh their fungus spider was actually bigger than them, uh, just based off of size category. It was fun. It was an it was a fun little thing. That's my that's my like barest bones concept for this uh, worst year. 
gonna say just, that's barely even a worse year that would actually go in a bestiary miles is too good for this yeah segment. tone it down a little bit miles <laughs> what do you think you're doing you're making us look like idiots over here you're right i'm sorry i should i should dial it back to the level of um random soda uh slug that we had uh, in the first installment. You know, I, th I think it reflects more poorly on you that you remembered that fucking thing. <laughs> um, Jay, do you have any concepts for mushrooms? Do I have to bring the one I had up? No. I I'll do mine next. <laughs> okay, good, because I don't have one. I'm not going to just throw out a, uh, a prompt without being able to fulfill it myself. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about a trap. Have you ever seen those slime molds? And I know slime molds aren't fungi. Don't at me. Um, that's like a weird, like, sort of dome of webwork. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about something, a fungus that has a sort of, like, net made out of that. And it lays flat on the ground. And it's a, a trap in the wilderness. It's like a, just a wild, predatory slime mold fungus thing. And it's this, like bizarrely geometric mat that spreads itself across the forest floor and becomes like a net but it doesn't just pull somebody up like a net trap that's on the ground but rather it poofs up and like becomes rigid it poofs up uh, as the players like step into the center of it where it like sort of throws itself up as soft ribbons uh, mm -hmm. Before, like, the enzyme reaction takes place in midair and it hardens into, like, a thick, rubbery, like, rigid shell. And then it contracts and just lowers this dome of uh, ever-shrinking net holes of fungal mold just tightening and squeezing around the uh, adventurers or its prey, just pressing it into uh, the ground where, where uh, it will then be crushed by the, you know, just increasing tension of the fibers. That, again, does not belong in the worst Yeri. That's just really good and interesting. Um, I, I feel like the worst Yeri is a flawed concept uh, because... Maybe we should switch its name to the rest Yeri. Ooh. It's not the best, but it is the rest. <laughs> um, actually, Jamie, I kind of want to tack on the, like, just a single concept from a living slime mold that I'm now going to scrap. Uh, because I was also thinking about slime molds, even though they're not fungi, because slime molds are fucking cool. Um, they're more interesting, I think. Yeah, they kind of are, it's at least Dan to me. Look, fungus and slime molds are just Daniel and the cooler Daniel. I don't know what to tell you. Um, but just I tacking on that... Um, Slime molds, if you separate them, they can rejoin and, like, combine back together into their network. So just, like, doing slashing damage can disrupt this living slime mold trap. But if left to its own devices for a little bit, it does, like, regenerate health a little bit and can fuse back together. I was thinking about when you sever it, but then, like, it can naturally come back together and just be like, wow, it truly is the college friend group of the bestiary, worstiary. And I thought that was a nice little wholesome joke to make. Yeah. There yeah. we go. I'm giving him a hug, which is great. Y'all, it's been so much format. work. Did we do the podcast last week? I don't think we, so. We did, we did. And the first thing you said was, I'm so tired. I just Oof. want to die. I yeah. do not remember. 
I do you, not remember recording that episode. You actually had to leave uh, like 10 minutes before we finished because you got a call in. Yeah. Um, Man. My, my only other fungus theme thing is technically not a beast. It's like a conscious creature kind of. Um, kind of in the same level as like a grung. Like how there are grung tribes. Um, I started to think mm. about that with little fungoid people. Um which realistically is just myconids. Um, but maybe adding in like, oh yeah, there's some like ranger rogue style characters in there. Uh, and like they can use fungi to like turn invisible and have like little bits of themselves that they can break off that either deal poison damage or will heal you. Um, and like if they're using it for... The whole camouflage thing honestly just sprung up from my brain being like, chameleon mycelium, is that anything? Is that anything? And it's not, but uh, <laughs> I like the idea of a forest area populated by a tribe of mushroom people. Here's, here's one for you. Mycelium, mycelium, and me. <laughs> okay. This is extremely underbaked. Um, but okay. It is a mushroom thing that spreads through spores, and if you get... Wow, groundbreaking. <laughs> I'm going to slap my... Jay slapped me. I slapped you twice. Again with this. Um, if you get infected with it, I don't know, fucking con save or some stuff, and if you fail, the only way to cure it is with bless, or no wish. Um, bless isn't that thing. No, I like that, though. But the only... You grow a tiny, like half a foot little like red and white mushroom on your head and the only thing that happens is once every few weeks it demands that you go and you find like a nice spot to sleep for like a whole day because bitch you deserve it and that's the only thing that happens well, isn't that a status effect you get an earthbound you get a mushroom on your head yes I wasn't thinking about that, but now I'm like, okay, that explains something. It does not poison you. That's the only thing is that okay. if once like every, like you lose like a day out of like every week or month, as I said, is the worst, this goes in the worst year because it's bad. It's an interesting trade-off. And what's interesting about the worst year is that I think none of us came up with uh, enemies or monsters today. Miles had a whole character concept. I had a trap and you had a status ailment. Yep. Good job, folks. Hey, it's all homebrew. We've... Put that that one's for free. Put put all those right in your game. Unless and if you... anyone asks like where the, did that come from? That didn't work at all. You would be able to <laughs> reference them to this and they would say, "Why do they talk like that? They sound really dumb." In which case, <laughs> uh we probably will be taking a nap, let's be honest. Absolutely. Um so, I'm going to be honest. Didn't play any tabletop games the last week. Nope. Uh uh, unless you guys want me to talk extensively about Monster Hunter Stories 2, uh, which isn't a role-playing game at all, at least not, like, a tabletop one, I haven't done any role-playing Let games. me ask you something about Monster Hunter Stories 2. When do you meet Moana? Oh, I mean, I named my character Moana, Fucking. so <laughs> I didn't, but... Um, uh, so You know, it just... 
both in the subtext and also in the text of that game, it reflects very poorly on the core Monster Hunter uh, series <laughs> players because it's all just like, well, why why do you have to kill them when you can be friends with them? And you're, you know, us over here in the real Monster Hunter game that's for adults uh, are just like, that's entirely beside the point as you slice your cleaver through another square meter of uh, <laughs> cartilage. Meanwhile, I'm over here being like, yeah, but look at this. I'm doing choreographed, like, water dancing super moves with my royal, what is it, Ludoth? You're doing henshin poses with a wyvern. Yes. <laughs> Frankly, I don't see his, I don't see how I'd lose this fight in many ways. It's fun, though. Um, it, it's giving me a lot of uh, vibes that uh, modern Pokemon games haven't given me. But this is a, this is a tabletop podcast so unless miles you have anything you want to ask me about the thing that's not tabletop uh no but i have played in a tabletop game this week or I... since our last episode yes that was last night wasn't it uh yeah, no how was, uh, no how was uh Wedge's we actually wake uh no so we actually didn't play last night because one of the players was missing and she plays three different characters all three of which would be like deeply affected by Wedge's death. So we just we just held off for another week, um, which I kind of feel bad for the uh, other players because they still have to, like, deal with the effects of Wedge's death in character for their characters, and I get to just, like, finish processing it and be cool. Um, not that they are uncool, just, like, I get to be okay. Um... Yeah, sorry that y'all are grieving, but I guess I'm just built different. <laughs> I mean, it's mostly just that Yuffie is my only remaining character, and she doesn't give a shit that Wedge is dead because they never interacted because I don't like having conversations with myself. It's one of my biggest struggles as a DM. Um, no, uh... And knowing how you, and knowing how you tend to DM, you're just torturing yourself. Um... So what was the uh, game you did play then? This the week? game I did play, we started a Star Wars Clone Wars uh, re-roll game. Uh, we're going. Are we through, okay. We're we're going Here's through the, the Clone question. Wars TV show in chronological order. But is this the CG Clone Wars or the Tartakovsky Clone Wars? Or both. So we're starting with the CG Clone Wars because it starts before the Tartakovsky Clone Wars does. But I eh. believe we're going to touch on the Tartakovsky one at the end. Because the Tartakovsky one ends at, uh, like, it ends right as episode three starts. Um, so we're playing through the entire CG Clone Wars series. Also, I hear you're Baz, but realistically, that series was fucking good and introduced a lot of good characters and gave a lot of... Uh, Got of gave a lot of expansion to a lot of interesting characters. Like, oh yeah, I'm sure. I just didn't. I just didn't watch it. Um, we watched it a I bit. All I can think of is a uh, the intro is the fucking Tartakovsky introduction of General Grievous, the most incredible introduction to a infamous letdown. Yeah. So that's <laughs> that's part of the that's part of the upside of this is we get to like. Things will obviously change because it's an RPG and, like, characters are going to be a little bit different. Um, I I can just about guarantee my Obi-Wan is probably going to be a little bit more honest and open with Anakin than he is in the show and in the movies. 
because it's like, no, this is a person I very clearly care about, and like, it's absolutely fucking stupid that at no point anyone ever notices how terribly he's doing sometimes, like, no, fucking talk to each other, you can talk to each other. Um, talk, use talk no jutsu. Seriously, yeah. Miles, though, bring me in for a uh, one-off side story uh, where we play the Jedis that get murdered in cold blood by General Grievous. I want to be the one that looks like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. <laughs> so, um, Miles, what system is this in again? You might have wrenched this on the podcast, but I have the memory um, of... Uh, Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. Uh, it's the Star Wars D6 system. Um, okay. And it's pretty fun. Uh, we've got we've got a lot of things happening. We played through the first chronological episode of Clone Wars, which I think is like season two, episode 16 or something. That's the first chronological episode of the CG show. Um, but we played through that. It's been fun. Uh, I'm playing as Obi-Wan. Uh, we've got... Uh, Really, the only two characters that got specifically dibsed were I'm playing as Obi-Wan and uh, one of our other friends is playing as Anakin. And one of us has kind of dibsed like any clones they can possibly play. And that's well, going to be very by the same guy, so <laughs> that checks out. Yeah. Um, but it's been a lot of fun. It's been interesting and... I am excited to see how the series changes uh, because the GM for that is actually the same GM for the Final Fantasy game. So I absolutely know that this like this war effort is going to be intricately tracked and it's going to be interesting and we're not going to end up in the same place. Um, oh, I, is someone playing, I forget. Uh, what's her name? Ahsoka? Ahsoka? Someone's definitely going to be playing Ahsoka. I don't remember who is playing Ahsoka at this point. Um, because Ahsoka won't show up until we hit the point of the movie, which is another, mm. like, session or two from now. Was Ahsoka in the movie? Ahsoka was introduced in the movie, yeah. Because uh, the movie I came... Uh, yeah, the Clone Wars movie came before the Clone Wars TV show, uh, which is why the production quality on the I movie is so fucking bad. Um, the production quality on the movie is worse than the production quality on the show, which is wild to I, me um i've seen all of the uh prequel trilogy at some point of my life mostly childhood um oh no she's not in any of the live action stuff that's what okay yeah that's she what she I'm was getting. invented was whole cloth for the too. yeah no um she was invented whole cloth for the clone wars cg movie um not uh attack of the clones Okay, which, okay. Which is a title See, uh, that never made my, sense. My, uh, this is where my Star Trek knowledge ends. Mm, mm-hmm. Well, no one's gonna... Use the Force, Harry. That's what <laughs> uh, Picard said at the end of Lord of the Rings. I thought it was Lord of the Flies. It's just a weird adaptation is all. Um... I mean, we're we're no, all sounds, we're all gonna so fucking die because they actually because now we actually have to roll for all of the ridiculous Deus Ex Machina stuff R two does. <laughs> oh no! If I know one thing about Star, I miss a Trek again by accident because of the bit. Uh, Star Wars, it's oh good luck. What he, here's an uh, an unironic recommendation: make a one shot for a uh, Galaxy Quest. I. 
<laughs> I I because that because oh, that's man. a movie that kicks ass. It kind of does, despite how much of an absolute shithead Tim Allen is. Oh, Tim Allen! Tim Allen has always been a shithead. Yeah, but it's I a mean, really he, good movie. I mean, before he started, because he, he started acting. <laughs> before he started acting, he was a cocaine smuggler who turned in all of his friends to get a reduced sentence. Oh, I thought that was after he was acting, but yeah, what a narc. I thought it was before, but I could be wrong. Um, yeah, so Tim Allen Either started way, as a narc and then also became a super right-wing douchebag. I want to start watching that show called, like, Last Man Standing, where Tim Allen re resents that, like, millennials aren't tough guys enough, but he does that through, like, a vlog that he does. You know, the toughest outdoorsman thing to do is vlogging. I'm, like, just picturing him just, like, lying on his bed. Uh, no, I don't care. Uh, that sounds, um, I don't care about Tim Allen. He's not worth my time to think about, uh... He's crud. Chud. But I don't have a good, uh, like, segue, so this is a mistake. <laughs> yeah, I should let's just, just let go. You... Let's yeah, just yeah. <laughs> We're getting too into the weeds. Anyway, Once that's the only game Tim I've Allen, played. It's like, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, so... that, that's the only game I've played in in the last week, and it was a fun time, and I'm looking forward to it. It's bi-weekly, mm -hmm. though, so you're only going to hear me talk about it every other episode. So, would I be able to play in this? Because I'm not bi- um, I want to play Monster House. Well, you're allowed. Uh, wait, that's in the Final Fantasy. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was just doing a weird... When could they put Monster House in Star Wars? <laughs> I mean, we missed Monster House in the Final Fantasy game because we never... We we spent like five sessions in Wall Market, but didn't actually ever even go to Don Corneo. Uh, so... <laughs> so... Yeah. So, yeah. Um, anyway... Uh, but yeah, um, those are th those are the things that I've done. That that is the thing that I've done. And have you been working any on anything uh, for the GM corner, or rather, you've been talking about stuff? Uh, I haven't been doing much though, so this is a great segue into me trying to take the t uh, mic and then immediately being like, actually, um, I imagine the GM corner cuts to the GM workshop cuts to me like sitting outside, hearing the muffles muffled voices within. But um, Jay has been trying to get me to start GMing uh, Numenera. No, I shouldn't phrase it like that. You have been trying to get me to do it, but I'm also interested in doing it. But I'm also just like, oh, fuck. Who, who can even bother to do that? It's been busy days these <laughs> days. I've been mm -hmm. telling you all about it. But I got to get a Numenera game going at some point, And I'm thinking, like, what's the story going to be? I'm sure I'll make it up in 18 hours and it'll be really stupid. But Jay seems to like my ideas for stuff so mm -hmm. i yeah. think jay has a very creative mind and comes up with really great like high-minded science fiction concepts that basically numenera just lends itself to perfectly uh, you know uh what i've realized i've liked with uh making up stories and this will turn into like this could turn into gm talk or something um start with the end I like to start with the end and, like, try to find a way to keep that hidden as long as you can while leading up to it. Um, I thought about this just having to read uh, Sherlock Holmes stories and think, how do you write a mystery? Well, you think of an elaborate way to kill somebody, and then you invent a whole bunch of, like, tiny little pinholes to view that through. And then you write that. 
Hmm? I don't know. I'm rambling. I'll now. say like the one thing I'll say is you can start with the end. You can start with what you think would be a cool end. Your players won't go to that. Oh, I mean, your players, nope. your players will. You'll put the end in a big castle with like a blaring sign that says main plot, and your players are gonna be like, "Oh, hey, look, it's a beach. Let's go there." And then I'm just like, uh, the ancient dragon's dungeon is underneath the sand. Oh, you were there. You're there now. Actually, that's, you know, that's actually right. If you've not said where something is in the world, congrats. You can always make it up after the fact. That's the most important part of, uh, the most important advice of any GM corner is you can always just make something up. Nobody's going to check your work. You don't have the teacher grading you on if you cited all your sources for the uh, plot twist or the deus ex machina you just do whatever you want i mean yeah honestly until you mention something even if it's in your notes it doesn't matter sure you wrote this castle with this dragon to be in the mountains of mount everfrost but your players don't want to go there and this dragon's pretty important to the main plot guess what Th this k or this castle if you really need it just so happens to be uh, under the ocean. What's now. more what's more important to the conclusion of the story you've written that your players have fought the dragon or that the dragon was where the dragon was supposed to be. I think it's definitely the fighting. Honestly, I think it's like more important to me specifically makes that sense. my players probably end up trying to seduce the dragon cuz let's be honest, with our players, they're going to seduce it and that means either befriend it or actually flirt with it we're far beyond the point culturally where people are going to take uh these games seriously so be prepared for murder sex oh god and not in that order uh sorry miles we've been talking yeah we're, we're, did we have a podcast we were supposed to be doing uh i mean realistically this is all tied to the podcast also i haven't really been doing anything for dm's uh dm's corner i realistically i could be doing more for our monday games um I was kind of relieved when I realized I didn't have the ability to run it this Monday because I had a doctor's appointment uh, that I remembered, you know, the night before. Um, but I was kind of relieved because I was like, wait, hold on. I don't know what the fuck is about to happen here. That's great because I don't know what's about to happen in Me that neither, game either. in any of our sessions that we play that game. Yeah, it's... You know, it... it, it our characters need to get more involved in local politics and assassinations. Here's the thing. There was like a little bit of opportunity for that early on in the game. And I was like, okay, cool. That'll be interesting. You know, you'll get your foot in the door with the speaker's council. And that could lead to some interesting ways of like, oh, revealing the corruption of this one speaker or, you know, building these connections so that you get more missions and you have like the ability to more easily like rally support and get people nope. to uh you know defend themselves from that dragon attack but uh you have recruited the dragon you assassinated the uh hostile speaker and you've only met two of the leaders of any of these towns um <laughs> you haven't even been to all the towns yet why would we go to the towns? We have I didn't know our goal was to go to all of the towns. We Your goal isn't to go to all of the towns. At this point. Your goal isn't to go to all of the towns. It's... The, the issue is just that you've gone to the towns that don't 
end up having a lot to do with the Frost Maiden. You know what? Speaking of things that don't have anything to do with the Frost Maiden, one of my character's biggest plot points that they should probably be more worried about, but they're quite fine not to be at the moment, is the fact that it seems like one of their only ways home might be uh, in a uh, illithid dreadnought that has been claimed by, is it an ancient white dragon? Uh-huh. Yeah, I did just say, you. Why, why have I not thought about sending our characters out to seduce the dragon yet? We could. We, we could do a wicked we, lap dance. We, we, I have so much charisma in that game. Let's go and seduce the dragon. That won't, okay, aside from getting us immediately killed, if that somehow went off, I'm sure that would do nothing for, to break Miles' game any more than it's already going. Yeah. I mean, realistically, if y'all just, like, fix up that ship and leave the planet so that you can go home, I have thoughts about that, and I already told you, like, yeah, that's that's the, that's the place where this could go for Chapter 3. Chapter 3 could just be, now we're a spacefaring campaign. Oh, <laughs> uh, I love it. Oh, but... Oh, so I've been working on getting, uh, I've been th trying to start making uh, dice again. Uh, I printed out some uh, new masters. Um, I was going to sand them and get them all nice so I could make the new molds. But uh, today's been a really weird day for us here. Let's not get into why it's been weird, but it's been really effing weird. There's so much going on um, these days. And after like some stuff happened, I was like, okay, this isn't happening. I need to like cook dinner and concentrate on anything else. But, uh, oh, well, I do like making dice when they actually turn out well. Um, I don't like the sanding part, which is a lot of it, but hey, aside from that, everything is pretty fun with it. And aside from that, I'm, I'm just imagining right now, what if there was a, uh, a special glove you get to sand dice where like it's got on your second and third finger it's got mm. rubber grips but then on the inside of your thumb it's got like a little place to put the sandpaper like a little sticky pad you put the sandpaper on so you just sort of twiddle it i don't know i don't hand. think that would be even like i don't a, think that like would a be joystick you just joystick it around that sounds fun but i don't think it would be stable enough uh one thing i've definitely done before is i've accidentally unevenly sanded um and you'll see like one of the sides of the d20 i just need to redo the entire dice die because it's just lopsided um i like the thought though it's a fun idea but i think it would not work yeah probably not um kids like them uh fidget cubes these <laughs> days because of all their uh climate anxiety and adhd they want something to fidget with with their hands i do have adhd and i do fidget a lot um and i do oftentimes want things to do with my hands wow and you don't have climate anxiety must be nice must be nice you say climate anxiety i did say that Oh, that's, I'm so that's why the youth are fidgety. Well, I am much, much, much older than you two. So, I don't know. I guess I've just learned to cope. Also, yeah, I've been working on um, reading the Ryutama book 
for the game system Ryutama, which I've definitely mentioned on this podcast before, and I will finally actually play it or run it at some point, hopefully soon. Um, because what if you could be uh, in the Final Fantasy One world, but you are a traveling merchant of feudal Japan? I mean, honestly, have you ever seen Octopath Traveler? Do they do? Uh, do they bake pies in that? Do they do the little craftspeople stuff, the little homey lifestyle? They seem more just combat focused. There's like oh, a... they're definitely more combat focused, but their characters like a merchant, the ones in apothecary, uh, the black mage type is called a scholar. You know, the most of their titles are more so like what their profession would be. It just so happens that they're great at combat. Yeah, and we're going to stop talking about Octopath right now because I'm going to say some negative things about it, uh, about, the, about the Scholar. I have very oh, right, negative right. feelings about that about that plot line. That's not what this podcast is about. What are we talking yeah. about today? Ryutama. Oh, actually, nope. <laughs> we've not just introduced the main topic, uh, which uh, is Session Zeros, which we'll get to after... Uh, this commercial break. Yeah. No, um, uh, no, we're going to hopefully be doing, um, our podcast fun shot soon. And I was hoping to start it off by GMing a short, like three to five session game of, uh, Ryutama. Don't know why I said it that way there. Maybe I won't ever say it that way again. Weeb. Oh God. Yes. I am a total weeb. But I'm one of those weebs that's the worst kind because, like, I only watch anime that was made in the 90s and early aughts. That is not the worst kind of weeb. Kunihiko Ikuhara. That is not the worst kind of weeb. I have lived and worked with the worst kind of weeb. <laughs> I have a lot of nostalgia for a lot of specific types of anime. Um, honestly, any long-standing D&D game I run you will see a lot of the blood of the series uh, Slayers in it because, I don't know, I grew up watching Slayers. That is a good one, though. Uh, it, it, it's very 90s, but it, it has an interesting balance of comedy and then some pretty good, like, lore bits. Um, I, it also had my first anime crush which was lena inverse who definitely didn't help cement my love of gingers gosh gingers are cute every single one of them anyway no i think i need to talk about gingers for more and dig i'm not sure if i'm digging a hole but i'm definitely digging something you're doing something with your hole (laughs) all right okay well yep you know you got you got me it's time to uh Move on. Uh, actually, uh, yeah, so did we set... want to read yeah, this? Let's do it. Let's do it. Horror story. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do the horror story, which... Um, uh, so you wanted to do the uh, Session Zero, both the Session Effort and Preparation one, correct? Uh, yeah, I think there's a, there's a topic in there I can sort of piggyback off of. Seems All right. possibly a little long, but also I feel like our discussion of session zeros will be a little bit short because we already discussed discussed uh, safety tools. That's true, but 
I'm always fine with retreading conversations. Not the least of all because I forget what I said. Um, I will actually do the reading because Jay is distracted. Go for it. Do it. So the story, as I mentioned a moment ago, is session zero, both in session, effort, and preparation. Username. Posted by you slash Legionstone. I applied for this neat homebrew campaign about orcs ruling a kingdom. DM gave me the invite to a Discord server. Immediately, the red flag started to pop up before the session zero began. For one, despite stating that the game will take place in Roll20, he had no experience in working with it, so I had to guide him in how to make a character sheet for myself and another player. Secondly, he told me that this campaign was the leftover of a previous campaign that fell apart. He didn't elaborate on why. <laughs> Knowing that campaigns do fall apart, I gave him the benefit of the doubt and got excited for Session Zero. So, Session Zero came along, and it was probably the worst first impression I've ever had to experience. It wasn't horrific, but it's the other kind of bad. Boring, uninformative, and unprepared. It was only me and another player that were in the session. The Session Zero consisted of silence for the majority of three hours with vague notes of info uh. about how his homebrew about his homebrew setting. He never mentioned the tone, the rating, any additional homebrew rules or limitations for character creation. The other player wanted to play a squirrel girl demigod, literally Makoto from Guilty Gear. The DM, wait, Makoto from Guilty Gear? Isn't that Blaze? Bla anyway, sorry. <laughs> um. The DM allowed it with no questions asked. It was on the de uh, the DND ah I always say this uh, one weird out loud. The DND wiki. So immediately I was taken aback because I know that place is not the mecca of game balance. The DM mm -hmm. wanted us to use the Roll Twenty voice chat for some reason, even Ew. though we have a Discord server. Oh, that sucks. And he doesn't know how to use the Roll Twenty voice chat. After some persuasion, me and the sole other player convinced him to bring it back to the Discord server as he couldn't figure out how to broadcast his voice until I taught him how. The DM then gave us a video to watch, which was a questionnaire. Why didn't he just ask these questions himself? The session zero was three hours of sparse world info and dead silence. Yet he couldn't spare us a couple minutes to spice up this news fest. When I do session zero, I set up a mock character theater Q&A for my players as a way to help them define a personality for said character before the first session. The only question he himself asked me was what my character's sexuality. I got irked um, by that. I didn't know my character's sexuality was going to play a part in this campaign. Granted, with how little info he gave, maybe it was going to play a part. After all this, I just excused myself. It was boring and, more informatively, uninformative session zero. I got the feeling that this was an- he was an unprepared- er, I got the feeling that he was extremely unprepared, despite having two weeks to think about it. I didn't want to just pop up and leave the campaign entirely, because as a DM, I struggle too and suffer anxiety when expressing my ideas, so I gave him some feedback, but at the end, I told him that I believe in him. Not too long after, I was silently kicked out of the game and the server with no sign or warning. I have a feeling that his session one will have the same amount of effort as his session zero, so I hope for the best for the Squirrel Girl demigod. 
and story. If yeah, okay. If any uh, prospective DM is out there worrying that like you're doing too much and being overbearing, don't. There, it's so much worse to err on the opposite side of that one. Yeah, I honestly I struggle with that at times of just being like, all right, here's a place, go for it, um, which I know is difficult and can be frustrating for my players because I I don't like highlight things quite enough or quite as often as I should because I'm so anxious about not being um, like railroady. But yeah, this is. This is, like, way beyond that, though. Yeah, um, you gotta give... You gotta give them something. Um, I, I, I want to touch on the idea of Session Zeros real quick, in that, like, people talk about Session Zeros a lot. Uh, like, they're, they're this new concept, and they're really fucking not. Session Zeros have been around since D&D basically started, and it's called the character creation session. Like, during character creation, do you not talk to each other about, like, tone and about the world? Because that has, I mean, that's a, that's at least been my constant experience. And, you know, over the years, I've, I've moved towards, like, like, as, as groups get more uh, familiar with systems... We have to do less character creation sessions, but like, then we you know, were able the, to switch to doing things like session 0 0.5, where you spend some time talking about the world and tone, and then do a little bit of gameplay in that same amount of time. I think, I think they, they've been around forever and I'm aware of that, but they've definitely been codified a lot more recently. That's, like, yeah, that's fair. Um... Because I, I think I maybe disagree that they've been around forever, but they have become more prominent and have, yeah, been codified. And I think this is a result of the LFG culture of, like, people getting into this or wanting to get into this uh, from some sort of alienated means. And then, like, trying to, f like, you know, hearing about the culture of D&D &D, and then, like, trying to find people nearby as opposed to, like, the very earliest sort of uh genesis of people playing D, D is you know being latchkey kids and hiding out in somebody's basement or something i think it's a result of the late 80s and 90s kids uh alienation of their adolescence and growing up i don't know about y'all but i could barely walk anywhere in my town and didn't have like a nearby group of friends in the neighborhood that, like, would maybe put you in-person groups more often to, you know, if you were a kid in the 70s, to form these games on your own. You have to... This is all a long way to say. You go out and find people to play tabletop games in a different way. And so because you're not already friends with these people and you have to, like, learn their personalities, it's crucial to sort of get on the same level of understanding what everybody else wants in their experience of playing this game and knowing what their limits are and yeah absolutely explaining how it's gonna go i i see what you say i think Sorry, a lot I of it I is i took a big zoomed out sociological I, I, view of i things. think a lot of it is just that tabletop games have gotten so popular and you're having a lot of people playing 
Uh, and also, I think YouTube culture has a lot to do with this because every YouTuber has at least one video on how to do a Session Zero. Um, and for good reason. Session Zeros are important. Absolutely. Uh, especially with new players. Um, especially and, with new players. And, um, and yeah, Jamie is absolutely right that or at least in my opinion, that the increase in, like, essentially the, not exactly anonymity, but that's the best word I could think of right now, to the D&D space is, like, definitely partially responsible for the rise of more codified Session Zeros, because then you actually have people, like, okay, here's this new person, let's figure out what's going on with them, and, like, really work on communicating with them. Honestly, because the way, I think... the way people are getting into Dungeons and Dragons now is not with the people they already know. It's harder to get the people you already know into Dungeons and Dragons as it is to find the people who are already into Dungeons and Dragons and try to get into them as acquaintances. Honestly, I think RPG Horror Stories have also probably had a helping hand in that because... Yeah, RPG they, Horror Stories, it's all about getting into them. Like, so many... Like, uh, I've been reading them for years now, at least two years, and uh, definitely a lot of them back then was, this could have been avoided if we had a Session Zero. And we're seeing a little bit less of those, that phrase mentioned now. Here's a clarified metaphor for it. It's the difference between, like... A Zoom call with your friends, and if y'all remember Omegle, the random video chat. Mm -hmm. Oh, gosh. It's a difference between that. You know the people, or you're going somewhere that has similar interests, and you have to learn your way around the people. So I think we're firmly in okay. our topic now, and I, I think, like, one thing I want to say is that there is no specific one way of running a Session Zero. I think that's kind of a little obvious. And you can, sit down, you can sit down and make your characters, or you can just have some beers and chat about uh, the kind of weird mm -hmm. uh, sex warriors you want to be. Yeah, or you can also play. Um, a lot of the ones that I do now, we do play a bit at the end, and, you know, for reasons like what Miles was saying, is like they're kind of more of a point five. I like to do a bit of playing at the end of my session zeros just so people can see if they like how their characters feel. Uh, but we can get into that um, mm -hmm. at the uh, when we get to it. Because the first thing I like kind of wrote here was, when do you usually have a session zero, Miles? And we kind of already were talking about that. Mostly when we have new players. Yeah, new players, new group. Uh, even arguably new campaign. But even then, like... If it's a new campaign with the same people, I feel like it's easier to do a 0 0.5 because mm -hmm. unless the tone is different, you're more just like going over character stuff. Um, and I I'd say, say I wouldn't my, do it between camp. Hmm? Sorry. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say that, you know, obviously my experience isn't universal on this. Um, oh, I was introduced to D&D. Technically, my first system was Pathfinder in college, and we straight up had a slideshow to teach us, like, easy step-by-step -step how to make a character, and then we talked a little bit about the world, and that was our session that week. But we we normally had, like, five-hour sessions uh, every Saturday, or maybe it was every Sunday. I think it was Sunday. Um, but, like, five-hour sessions that we'd do, 
So you had time to make a Pathfinder character in those five hours. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I think for me, when I'm playing with a group of people I know, I might have like a little bit of a session zero if um, it's if I think it's necessary. Uh, but a lot of times uh, our conversations, we just talk normally. We'll have a Discord channel set up or a Facebook Messenger group. And we'll talk, you know, as we talk. It will just be a conversation. Uh, for instance, the game that uh, Jay's running, he, he might have a session zero because it's his first game. But these are people that I, in theory, see once a week, if not more, if I wanted to. So we can have conversations about this game whenever. Uh, but for my game, the I'm going to have a session zero. I'm going to have a session early access alpha build mm -hmm. i'm gonna have a session kickstarter patreon only beta build oh session 0.2 fragmentary passage steam in early access for like four years <laughs> but um the main reason i do a session zero with people that i um know is if we're switching to a system that most of them don't know yet Mm. Uh, that way we can talk, have a chance to sit down and actually talk about the system. Uh, but I say that, but a I think the key thing is a lot of things like tone and the things we'll say we cover in a session zero, we just cover naturally throughout conversation, like throughout the weeks or something leading up to what are I, your like a session 0 0.5 would be. Yeah, that's part of the benefit of having things like uh, Discord channels for campaigns is a lot of the time I end up answering a lot of the questions that would get answered during a session zero just through chat leading up to the game, which gives us a little bit more wiggle room to do something to get like a little bit of play in. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I... Go ahead. I... Uh, I, I think there's huge amounts of value in it. Um, and yeah, changing systems, that's that's absolutely essential too. Um, I've seen a lot of people do different things during session zeros, um, including doing them as both character building and like along with handing out character sheets, handing out like uh, player consent forms and stuff with the sheet. Mm -hmm. And then like, Okay, anonymously put the... I don't understand how you anonymously turn in a physical consent sheet. Um, Make it a Google Doc, maybe. Yeah, or and, like... Um, or, or do it as a... Um, maybe do it as a spreadsheet and just like... Put, it, put an X or a slash in a, in a block if you... Um, if that's like X, if it's a line and slash, if it's a veil. So if you didn't have a lot of time to get to know people and have a sense of who they are and what their boundaries would be, what are some of the key things that we would have to ask in a session zero, just be in conversation or in a sort of blind survey? All right. I have a list here. Great. Uh, but I'm not going to read the list. Great podcasting here. Yeah. Okay. So 
I think one of the key things, and I'm going to say this is like, and I might, I'm going to say a contradictory thing. This is my kind of comprehensive list of everything I would do or discuss at a session zero. But also, I'm probably going to forget some of the things that I do bring up at session zeros. Um, and I'm kind of going off of, let's just say this is a whole new group of people. The first thing I would bring up is when are we meeting? How long are the sessions going to roughly try to be? How often are we meeting? Mm -hmm. It's ba I, boring. It's basic. But it's important. It's very important. I don't know. That's That almost sounds to me like the logistics conversation you have before a session zero. But that's just me. I was going to say, session zeros usually begin with a lot of stuff like... And you know, I get what you're saying. You're right. Th um, I understand that this session zero might be like... When you're already hanging out with people, maybe you're at the Halloween party and you've all decided, yeah, we want to commit to this. So now we start having the conversation about like when we might be able to coordinate ourselves to do this. Also, reminder, a lot of these things are covered in uh, the way we handle our games, not in session zeros. This is a session zero checklist, but we cover a lot of this stuff just when we talk normally. Yeah. Um, like... I've even seen some people suggest that you discuss, like, hey, are we going to, like, order food? Um, if so, how are we going to handle paying for that? And, like, again, a lot... People can be really codified about that. Like, are we going to have snacks? Like, what do people like? We are a lot more, like, handle as we go with a lot of our stuff. That's just the way we've always been. I need emotional trauma triggers and allergies. <laughs> for food? Yes. Okay, so I well, okay, okay never... well, no emotional trauma triggers for the content of the game, but allergies for uh, the session and snacks. But you know, honestly, I haven't day, played. Isn't that just isn't uh, emotional trauma triggers just an allergy of the soul? Emotional trauma triggers for me is I can't eat fish. You know, so you actually did get me with that. So I I haven't played in person in quite some time because of just lack of ability to. But yeah, wow, I, I hadn't actually thought about asking about allergies and stuff before. Like, if you're playing in person, and especially if you're hosting or you're in a situation where it's like, okay, we're going to be bringing communal, snack, communal snacks, then yeah, asking for allergies during session zero is a really good it's idea. Actually, it is really important. Like, we do have um, one of our players that we do meet up with in person um, and is someone that you've played with two uh, miles online. Mm -hmm. um, with us, uh, he has a uh, shellfish allergy, um, which means he can't actually eat any food from like any Chinese places because of cross contamination. Um, so what normally would be, oh yeah, we're just gonna order some cheap Chinese when we're gonna play the game. Mm -hmm. We have to cut that option out. That sounds like I'm like accusing, but it's like no, we need to know that because otherwise <laughs> we might have just been like, oh yeah, we all got this Chinese and like, hey, here's yours. Oh, like, here's just, like, we all just, like, did a potluck, or not potluck, but, you know, just bought a bunch of shit for people yeah. to share. Yeah, most of um, my physical playing was in, uh, was in college, and we'd just, like, take a break for 15 minutes and walk over to the student center and grab some late-night Burger King. <laughs> but to anyone listening, the takeaway here is be terrified of the poisons that exists in your house that might kill any or all of your players. Was this the friend that, at our one party, just took a big bite out of an anchovy pizza I had set aside for myself? 
and was just like, oh my god, what is that? That's not fish, is it? I can't have that. Oh, right. Yeah, that is um, my, that is that friend. <laughs> I got the, yeah, yeah, no, he's, he's because a great he, guy. Because he bit into it and was just like, what the, what, what is that? I thought that was mushroom. And I'm like, oh no, it's anchovy. It's really salty, huh? And Jay, you were just like, he's definitely allergic to shellfish. And I'm like, I don't think that's what that is, but it's close enough that I don't want to risk it. Uh... Oh, I love that man. He's so great. He's so nice. Um, okay. So I think we can all agree that one of the most important things, um, aside from, uh, like it doesn't matter how you do it of how you're your players medical records oh yes <laughs> also you know people might want to discuss if it is in person how are they planning on getting there and where you're planning on meeting um Ugh. yeah i know it's I, that's the stuff that we rarely even have to deal with now because most of us play games online but, but here you are you're 17 you're trying to do it with your friends how do you figure that out is is Timothy's mom going to be able to take Jerrica back with you, or does Jerrica have to ride her bike through spooky woods? Jerrica's on her own. Your stepdad's in rehab again. Oh, poor Jerrica. Figure it out. But um, an important thing to discuss that's not logistics. No, the basement's being repainted. You have to go somewhere else. They kicked you out of the library for looking up a picture of a boob on the computer. Honestly, actually, I've heard people say, where are your backup sessions going to be held if that place isn't available? You're you're doing jokes, but you're actually touching on some real things, Jay. Yeah. You go to a library on the computer and you look <laughs> oh up a boob. <laughs> Just one? Well, you only have, you know, 40 minutes at a time. Okay. I guess, I guess if this is back in 2000, that's about how long it would take to load up that image of the boob. Um... Okay. Go to the library. Download LimeWire. Find an Apex oh, Twin album. It's German pornography. You fucked up. Okay. Okay. So tone. Tone is an important thing to discuss. We've mm -hmm. brought it up before. It, it's probably one of the things I always stress in each of my games. Um, Same. Because and I like to get that out. That's something that I also bring up before my session zeroes. Because a lot of my players are so invested in creating their characters, not necessarily stats, that they're going to start working... The second you ask them if they want to be in a game, they're going to start working on their character. So oh, yeah. oftentimes, I try to establish that tone well before so that they're not like, oh, well, this is my grim dark character, and it seems like this... You're coming to me and saying this is a lighthearted story... Look, um, this isn't Rowan Atkinson and Mr. Bean, but this is Rowan Atkinson in Rat Race. So adjust your sensibilities accordingly. Mm, what about Rowan Atkinson in Johnny English? I think that's a little too heavy for this group. I think we're trying to keep it a little more lighthearted than that. It's kind of dark. All right. Good to know. Good to know. I'll adjust. My brain is just going all over the place with this shit tonight. <laughs> it is. Uh, uh, but yeah, tone is extremely important. Again, a lot of these are going to be even more important if these are a session, if you're having a session zero with people you've never played with before. Yeah. Or if you're also doing something that you've never done. I mean, 
I will definitely talk about tone whenever I decide I'm going to give running another horror game again a shot again. Yeah. Um, I tone and like relevant world events. Like mm -hmm. you absolutely do not need to give them the fucking Silmarillion, but like, <laughs> tell, uh, but I learned like, that the hard way. Two, my first game. Two rules of establishing tone. Is it or is it not going to be the Silmarillion? Is it or is it not going to have 9-11? Oh, gosh. Um. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You no, want to establish I'm, Tone? A, a and yes I or think, no on either of those is going to teach you a lot right away. And I think with Tone, that's another good place uh, just to bring up the safety rules, which you were touching on those. Maz, would you again mention the specific safety rules you were talking about, the slashes and the veals? Yeah, yeah. The so, and the veal, sorry. Uh, yeah, so lines and veils. Um, lines and sorry, veils. Veils, not veals. <laughs> well, hold on. Is is veal <laughs> going to exist in this world? Is that part of the tone? Uh, um, no. Uh, lines and veils. A line is just like a topic we do not touch. We don't. We don't mess with it. Like absolutely not. Hard line. Do not cross. Um, and a veil is like. It could theoretically be mentioned, or we could touch on it, or, like, get ish to it, and then, like, pan away, or move past it a little, or, like, just not make it a focus. Um, there's super common ones, but, like, like straight up, both in table and in universe, a, a like, an easy line to establish that I feel like anyone I have played with also establishes is just like yeah hard line on in universe or out of universe bigotry of any kind we're we're making a fantasy world here it doesn't have to be a bad one uh, mm -hmm. yeah and it is just one of the many safety tools that you can use but i really do recommend finding a safety tool that works for you and employing it at your table Especially if these are people that you've never played with before. And this might sound kind of crappy, but you might get someone that doesn't want to fill it out. Not because they have no fears, but because they think it's a waste of time. And that itself might be a little telling. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, truthfully, having looked at checklists, I find them a little bit intimidating just because it's just it's so many topics to sort through for me. Oh, I know. That I, I feel pregnant. like have you ever been pregnant? Are you a user Sorry, of tobacco? Okay, Do you have I, diabetes? I, Do you have high blood okay, pressure? I, I will I say don't mean they're useful. Of... Uh, no, yes, yes, no. Absolutely. If someone doesn't want time, to, I should say stupid. There, you might find yeah. someone who thinks they're stupid. Yeah, if you have a player that doesn't want to have that conversation about establishing safety tools, or you have a GM that uh, doesn't see it as a productive use of time, leave that table or kick them out of the table. Productive depending. use of time? Motherfucker, we're playing tabletop games. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's cheaper uh, than therapy half the time. But, like, yeah, just absolutely enormous red flag, leave... Um, but it, I, I will say the checklists can be very useful because often I will, like, if I'm at a new table, I'll, I'll forget a couple of things that are lines or fails for me until someone else says it. And then it's like, 
Oh yeah, yeah. Also, also that one. Also that one. Like at one mm-hmm. point, someone mentioned um, a line of theirs being violence against kids, whether it be physical or however. That being a that being a line for them. It's like, oh, yeah. I didn't even think about inc- that being included in any campaigns. But yeah, also that. And that's a true point. Half the time I forget this stuff too. Your uh, your prospective players setting boundaries up like that uh, is in no way an implication that you were going to go there. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, no, it's just that like I forgot as a player, like, oh yeah, that's a that's a thing that I guess at some point could exist in this game. I I don't want that. Um. Hmm. And that's why it's great to cover as much. You're never going to cover everything, but it's good to cover as much as possible before you even start. You do got to respond to it when it happens in the moment. Absolutely. Um, This one honestly should. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. No, um, just that. And that's that's part of the benefit of checklists is it lets people use the list to think for them in certain circumstances. So it can like give them this like. Well, checklist to go through and say. Oh yeah, I didn't. I didn't even think about that one. But yeah, no, I don't want that either. Um, and it can also be for like newer GMs who are just now getting used to this idea of safety tools, which um, you know, at least you're trying to learn um, this like reinforcement of well, they're not really hindering your storytelling that much to include this, you know, consideration. Because look at all of the things that aren't checked off. Look at all of the things that are okay to use. Yeah. No, and... I think... With that, every single, like, conversation we're gonna have here today is... Like, almost every time we try to give advice on the show is... Talk with the players. Um, Because I kind of want to say, aside from just safety tools... Also, having a conversation about... GM versus player control. How do I want to phrase this? I've mentioned on the podcast before that my first time GMing, I overstepped with how much control I could have with one of my characters, like uh, uh, people in their backstory. And that really upset them. Meanwhile, I totally did something even crazier with another character basically giving like their mother they never met which uh they were a tiefling and uh we ended up or i ended up having their mother be um a djinn and so it's like we completely ended up changing their um heritage after that because they love that twist so much and you should really establish well what can you do in like what agency does the gm have to pull fun twists and every player is gonna have different levels of that like miles we've been talking about my character who had was unaware of like how much of their perceived backstory was actually theirs Mm -hmm. like how much of that was real and i told you do what you want because this is fucking rad so far. And um, that comes from having trust in your GM to sort of like know what kind of things you're interested in mm-hmm. or yeah. like open to. Yeah, and not like and, just completely change your character because I wouldn't 
I wouldn't do that. Oh, and I know, you, I know. Trust, and you trust your GM to, like, have good taste regarding your character instead of, like, and then she was a high school cat girl. Yeah. No, trust me. I wouldn't have done... I didn't do anything like that. Like, we did not change Wait, the character you, that much you, Um, after, like, we revealed the one thing. I keep saying we. I revealed the one thing. Um... Because, again, she loved it, and she just got a bunch of cool new firepowers um, and new trauma because she tried to sleep with her mom, not realizing it was her mom. Uh -oh. She also tried to sleep with her dad, not realizing it was her dad. E. <laughs> I was like, how did she not realize this? this is a time travel story? I was setting the signs up so obvious, but she uh didn't realize it. Jay, quick, uh uh, quick clarification question. So you don't want Azrael to have secretly been a high school cat girl this whole time? <laughs> uh, no, because that's a girl, and that would be a little confusing. Okay, alright. Uh, uh, if it's anything, How do you feel about a marmoset person? <laughs> a, a high school, um, ha a high school puppy NB. There we go. Alright, will you um, settle for marmoset? Uh, yes. Okay, I'm still not going plus, to do that plus one. Plus two dexterity buff. <laughs> okay, so this really I should have mentioned in logistics, but uh, the, I in addition to length of like how long sessions are going to aim to be, um, I also have. You should probably discuss how long the campaign is, which that should be pre-session zero, but also codified more so in session zero is it yeah. gonna are you gonna try to make it a long campaign just a few sessions yeah i think that's the thing is like i like a session zero for codifying things that have been talked about even before yeah. a session zero it's official yeah. it's on paper yeah it's it's turned um, into a pinned message in the discord chat yes because uh, like that's the thing we've been talking yeah it's great when you have friends that you can just chat about stuff with Guess what? Some people don't check the messages as much. Did I say messages? Yeah. Some people don't check the messages as much. Oh, damn. I was typing it in wrong. I was looking for messages. That's why I haven't read any of them. <laughs> oh, well, that's on you for not knowing how I speak. Mabadith. To be fair to those people, just for a moment, because I'm sure someone listening is like, yeah, goddamn, those people all the time. It's like, to be fair to those people... Like, at least once a week, Discord, my Discord app just consistently does not send me notifications. Uh, yes. Which is why I just compulsively check Discord multiple times a day. Uh, Look, if you're on Discord and you want to ask a specific person a question, that's when you at somebody. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of talk on Discord about, like, don't at everyone, don't at here, but... If you expect an answer within 15 minutes, you gotta add somebody. I will also say adding, I, I haven't heard discourse about not adding here or adding everybody in like a smaller discord. Absolutely in like a bigger discord, like a fan discord or something. But like <laughs> if it's if it's the discord for a D&D &D group and especially if you are the GM, you are allowed to add here and add everybody just like that when i join any discord channel the notifications are off immediately because mm -hmm. i like to keep my phone clean so 
Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> so, anyways. of course, you should also discuss homebrew. What is going to be allowed? What isn't going to be allowed? Is any of it? Mm -hmm. And I have homebrew, but that's actually any books. So, this is not specifically just a 5e thing, but 5e has some of the most content available for it now. Um, just because of how insanely popular it is. And... It, there's always a good few conversations to be had with homebrew. Uh, Wait, are you saying there will be content in this game that is not officially approved by Wizards of the Coast? Um, how, are, how are we going to feel confident that it's balanced and fair? Well, for one thing, I know Miles doesn't care too much about balance, and that's not a bad thing inherently. It still I'm feels fun, and we've definitely had some challenging fights. I mean, um, I care a little bit about balance, just in that, like... My my go-to rule with things like homebrew in a game I'm running is 98% of it I am okay with. Just send it to me first so I can mm -hmm. look it over and make adjustments. Often, I will try and make it better. Like, at one point, one of our characters wanted to play a card-based rogue, and I worked very hard at making two different homebrew card rogues into, like, one unified, much more interesting class. Um, and so then, what you're saying and is then he ended up not using that subclass. <laughs> so what you're saying is for chapter three, I can uh, finally play a red mage in five e. Um, you know, I'll ask I'll ask my friend Mo to send me the stats for red mage in uh, in the Final Fantasy seven game. Oh, I was gonna use the Final Fantasy fourteen one. I you mean, better get the uh, most recently updated Endwalker version. There actually is one. I'm I mean, sure. I think the I think the one that we are using in that game is based off of the Final Fantasy fourteen one. Oh, okay, because I love that one because just zipping in, it's like, oh, I attacked you, now I did a backflip out. Um, I, I have neither of us have logged in for Endwalker. I hear it's a nightmare. No, I logged in at the morning Endwalker came out at six a.m. and then I didn't log back in again, and I'm so far behind on it that it's. I, okay, I should say so far behind. I'm one dungeon before Endwalker, but I've heard it's a nightmare. Um, but anyways, <laughs> yeah, homebrew content, and that's honestly how I usually try to roll with homebrew. Um, I'm very much a, do you have the information? Just please let me look at it. Don't get your hopes up till I look at it, even if I will probably, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, approve it. Sorry, my brain just like went 30 miles away. Mm. And also, again, this is another thing I probably would talk about before Session Zero. But if it's either new people, uh, they need to know it then. And if it's not new people, then it's a great time to codify that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we've talked a bit about what Session Zeros can do for uh, players. They can also do a lot for GMs. Um, Specifically because they allow you to catch things in player backstories and, one, take notes so that you can shift mm -hmm. the campaign to being more interesting for them. And two, they'll allow you to catch things that you can say no to. Uh, and it it's way easier to say no to something in a session zero than it is to say it in session one. Um, That's true. I know for me personally, I... I had a Monster of the Week game that went disastrously wrong 
Um, and it was because I didn't talk to my players first about their backstories. And one of them wrote in that they, like, knew about or were in some way connected to space dragons. Um, that just, like, existed. And... And after that point, I was just like, well, I don't know what the fuck to even do now, because because you've decided that space dra space alien dragons exist and that you know about and are connected to them. Fuck am I supposed to do now with just this mission based on little ukabaks? No, I get it. I did the same thing with a campaign I had that was, I'd say, loosely Dark Cloud 2 inspired. Um, just, uh, it was going to be a town building game, but I really should have read through the seven pages of backstory my player sent me. Admittedly, I didn't read through it because it was seven pages and that's a lot for me to read. That, that is, it, that is a lot of backstory. Um, and I said, when I say sent me, that makes it sound like, um, online. I should say, uh, it was seven, uh, tablet pa pages stapled to the back of his, um, character sheet. There was also more backstory on the character sheet. Uh, he had put more thought into the world than I had at that point. The problem was he put more thought into the parts of the world that they were quite literally moving away from. Mm. And I was like, oh boy. Um, but that campaign also had a lot of other issues. Because uh, I thought, I know these people. I know these players. I don't need a Session Zero. Oh, but you do. I do. I did. It can't hurt. It can, but um, only if uh, someone punches you during because they don't like the rulings. It happens more often than you'd think, folks. I'm actually looking at this, and I'm trying to figure out what this last, uh, or one of my last bullet points is, which just says shacks slash etc. And so, do we have a reason to discuss shacks? Only um, if it's a love shack, baby, please. I, I'm really struggling. It did... Did... Oh... No, Something. it was snacks. It was snacks. Well, okay. I mean, Shaq does bring the snacks with the shakaroni pizza now available at Papa John's. <laughs> oh, um, but I, I like I, I think it's just a lot of things. Are just you're figuring out the tone of the game, how long it's going to be, safety questionnaires, and then how often do you play at all during your. Um, session zeros, Miles, or uh, it does sound like a lot because you seems like you seems like you run a lot of uh, session zero point fives at this point. Um, I do run a lot of session zero point fives, but that is largely because I tend to be very communicative as a GM in the mm -hmm. chat prior to things, and like will usually also be talking about it for like at least a couple of weeks before we actually start playing. Um, where a lot of those questions get answered and the session 0 0.5 mostly starts with like reiterating tone and like reinforcing things that we've already talked about. Um, 
I can think of very few instances where I've done a 0 0.5 where I where like we still had to do some character building. Um, yeah, in my experience, most of the time I try to encourage, especially if it's a, if a group I've played with before, if not encourage, just be like, yeah, have your character concept and have looked at some of the aspects of the character before you come in. Um, if you need to like choose your spells, like if it's 5e, or if you need to like uh, allocate some skill points, that's totally fine to do. But a lot of times during my session zeros, they are closer to just 0.5s. And we do end up playing. And yeah. uh, sometimes it will be like uh, what we did for um, uh, the session zero I ran for you guys a few months. Oh, God, time passes ago where it was kind of a prequel thing. Um, but one of the key things I always try to remind players is try to do different versions of your characters if you want. Nothing has to be, quote unquote, canon in this it's like it's the movie version before they make a tv show which means yeah they might take some basic things from this but the tv show is going to be its own continuity now it's mm -hmm. thinking more like the pilot y'all remember what people looked like in the steven universe pilot totally mm -hmm. yeah. different well yeah that makes sense i was thinking specifically uh, about watching the dear white people movie and then watching the series which the first season uses a lot of the same story beats as the movie but the events of the movie still happened. So it was a little confusing at first. See, I was thinking about the Disney sequels that were absolutely backdoor pilots for TV shows, most of which <laughs> never happened. You know, like Atlantis 2, a shitty movie that was just was three say, TV episodes stapled together. I was going to say, that was like four episodes together. of a TV show that never happened. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. And they oh, introduced so, that yeah, in a home understand. video release, so the... Uh, art quality is worse, but you can just, like, it, it's an easy transition to the art quality in the TV series being worse. Yep. Okay. But, yeah, I, um... I think, like, it, it. I like to establish that because sometimes people will feel like they want to play a type of character and they will just hate it. I don't mm -hmm. even restrict people to, like, stick with the character they did during a Session Zero. Um, you know, during our Session Zero for Astral Refrain, Miles, you ended up, like, because of the events of that, you switched your character's class completely. Yep, I and sure did. That's perfectly fine if someone's playing something, especially things that are as close as rogues and rangers. Or not rogues, I'm um, in rangers. Uh, rangers and druids. They can be so close with how you execute them. Yeah. Um... It makes perfect sense. Uh, I, I just like to say that the... Not canosity. Uh, what would the word be? Tenacity? No. Uh, how much is canon is very, like, malleable in a session zero. I think the and word I like would to be canonicity, him. but I'm not sure. Okay, so yeah, it's... Yeah, it would be canonicity. Okay. So how much of canon is... How much of cannabisicity? Cannabisicity. <laughs> so how much acidity is uh, really up in the air? How many but... people at the at the table are all right with with uh, the other people smoking pot? This is the cannabisicity. <laughs> I mean, honestly, you're because joking? look, I'm fine with it. But if they catch me in here in my dorm basement as we play this, I'm fucked. Wait, actually, you guys are hitting on a good point that I missed. 
You should discuss alcohol rules while playing. No, we were That's... saying cannabis. And okay, substances. There we yeah, go. There yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I've one of my first experiences with D and D was with uh back playing 4E when I was like 18, and the session started off really great, but I didn't realize at first that both um, the GM and one of the players were getting really drunk and it really devolved. Like, oh boy. Like, I don't know way of to say, except for we stopped playing mid-session because they were just so drunk that they couldn't, like, concentrate on what they were doing. So it's not like saying, oh, you should only have two beers, but, like, probably should discuss like what are the alcohol rules for this yeah um most people i'm know i respect enough to not like get completely plastered but might be worth saying jay looked at me like i was looking at him i started playing D where once a week i would show up with a fifth of tito's <laughs> and we would just sit around in a dorm basement and uh I would get some uh, grocery store sushi, the best, and a big thing of fucking Tito's, and we would... And I'm glad I took notes back then, because I didn't remember whatever happened in any of those games. Honestly, though, that goes with tone and everything. That I, I, I'm just making it sound like it was an entirely negative experience, which it was, um, uh, but I should say... Not for them, I'm sure, is the thing. Yeah, and... I mean, we didn't play that, that game folded after, like, a few sessions, but it that is a perfectly valid way of playing. And oftentimes, honestly, there are some systems that work much better for just being drunk and playing. Narrative-based systems are great for that. Um, but substance consumption is actually a great topic to discuss mm -hmm. and can go along heavily with tone. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, one thing I wanted to say, the other reason I tend towards 0.5s is because I tend towards longer sessions. Like, most of the sessions mm -hmm. of our Monday games are, like, around four hours, probably, I'd say. If not, like, slightly longer sometimes. Um, like, around four hours, plus or minus a little bit. And I don't know how you could do a session zero like only session zero for four hours if it wasn't also character creation yeah and that's his character creation as well um i really couldn't eat uh but hey maybe you have a lot to go through and you know uh we mentioned like lore stuff we i don't want to say we're necessarily lore light in our games but maybe for for some players, lore is very important to their game. So if you really need to set up that world, Session Zero is the time to do it. And we you do do that, but I guess I'm trying to say is like... How you do can I phrase this? You um, can establish with your players like, Hey, do, what do you want to do with your character that I might get in the way of? If you have some, like, big plotline you want to do with your father, the character of your character's father, 
let me know so I don't uh, write them into the plot for some reason as like, oh, and then there he was at his office job that he always had. And you're like, no, he was actually a deposed uh, Viscount. If you're like, okay, well, we should have coordinated that beforehand. Um, excuse me, it's Viscount? <laughs> you know, I just heard that earlier today, and I thought, I don't care. It's Viscount. Really? Okay. Yes. Uh, Miles, I'm gonna side with you on this one, so... Sorry, Jay. It's an old English word, I guess, but it's spelled V-I-S... Count. So. Yeah, that's just such a harsh word. Viscount. It... It just—it doesn't sound pleasing to say. Is it old English? I think it's. I think it's. I mean, realistically, older English is so etymologically linked to French that you know I'd really be splitting hairs anyway. But it does feel more French-aligned. Um, a lot of the noble words, a, a lot of the names for like different nobility we have. Oh well, never mind then. I guess it was French-aligned. Fuck you. me. Um, but. Yeah, like uh, Marchess. Or Marquis. I love yeah. Marchess. Yeah, that's the... Um, yeah. But I think I've hit most of the things I'd like to talk about with my session zeros. Um, oh. I feel like there's something we're, I, we're forgetting, but I can't... I don't know what it is. Oh, um, I know. I'm trying to think. Um, How do you decide who plays what? Because we all have a bit of an intrinsic sense of who's the tank, who's the DPS, who's the healer. But you don't always need those because you could play a gang of all healers and still find your way through it. You could play a game of all mm -hmm. DPS and maybe it would feel really risky. You got to get these combat encounters done so quickly. Party oh. composition? Party composition. Yeah. Party composition. I, okay, I had another thing that I wanted to say about lore, but that ties into party composition. Anyway, um, just like talking about relevant relevant bits of lore or history tied into party composition and character creation. So like, okay, in this world, this is how accessible magic is. That's how, like, that's uh, an important yeah. thing for you to know. Or, hey, what languages should we take? What, like, what's going to be important in this game? What's going to be important in this world? Um, that sort of thing. Like, letting people know the important things about their characters without telling them, like, oh, well, you know, over in this area of the world, they speak predominantly this language. Like, I remember when I started in my campaign in, um, in college... I was given this, like, big, long document listing every region of this homebrewed world that they had been working on for apparently, like, two or three years. Um, and, like, the uh, a, a bit of history of every single region and the way they relate to other regions, what their diplomatic relationships are like with the neighboring regions, what their primary exports are, and, like, shit like that. And it was a lot of interesting world-building and, like, clearly it mattered a lot, and some of them, it made me gain, like, a little bit more knowledge of the region, but overall... But it's like, we're not going to go investing in stock futures. Okay. Yeah, ov overall, it was largely useless um, to me as a player, and realistically, like, even as a GM who then added a region to this world, I added a little archipelago off the coast... 
that was still relatively unnecessary for me. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think it's like a thing of like, not necessarily less is more, but like, I, I, I was this way with like homework in general. It's like, you know, if you gave me a reading and it was like a few pages, I'm more likely to read that than if you gave me like a reading that was like, 50 plus pages i might not do any of that because it was like why even fucking bother i'll mm -hmm. read the five pages um give him a taste in no particular order no priority and like i mentioned with my player who gave me the pages upon pages of backstory if it's like a half a page or a page i would have loved that because it's like oh great i'm gonna be able to get a good feel for your character um give your players uh, the abstract and then if they want to read the whole paper, they can. Mm -hmm. And also, don't feel like you need to write the whole paper from the beginning. We already talked about this in the GM advice, but I'm going to say it again. You don't need to write the entire world from the beginning. You can you can write it as it becomes relevant. Yeah. And, and hackers, I like to even keep my characters' backstories at least a little loose about the details because... Then, I mean, I'm, maybe it's my writing degree, but I like to keep things loose. So if I see a good narrative thread that could have some payoff, it's like, okay, so this might've happened in my character's backstory. This could be why this makes sense now. Yeah. Um, that was actually something I was thinking about. None of us are writing about. the Cimmerillion. We're not going to have to maintain the canon. Yeah, um, um, that was actually something I was thinking about uh, last episode. I was re-listening to it, and we were talking about that uh, jumpy paladin in the horror story. It's like, no, no, I already wrote my character's backstory. I can't, I can't write you into it. We can't have a connection. It's like, no, they just supplied you with an easy way of connecting your two characters. You don't have to do any heavy, heavy lifting at all. You literally just have to say, okay, yeah, we know each other. Like, it's, yep. it's the easiest thing in the world to make a, to make backstories connect a lot of the time. And, like, to adapt it, you can, you just need to be, not even creative, you just need to be, like, open to change. Um, that's true. And that's, like, that's GM and player advice. So much of D&D &D is just... So much of tabletop gaming is improving, anyways. Um, going with the flow. Nobody's gonna go back and check. I, I like to keep. But yeah, no, that's just general gaming advice. Is write your write your outline, but don't fill in those blanks. Leave some of them open because you can get some good character moments. Uh, honestly, that's why my character is able to feel like they still have a connection with. Uh, Jay's character in our 5e game because they relate to certain aspects about uh, Jay's character now. And like, I've been improving it from the very beginning. Well, yeah, you do that. Like, that's how you've done our hand, whole entire relationship. And most of my life for the last six years. Oh, only six. Good job. You're doing well. Yeah, I was kind of <laughs> uptight coming out of college. <laughs> but, um, I think... I've covered everything I want to cover. I mean, I could keep talking about Session Zeros, but you guys have heard how I am able to ramble about anything forever. 
Uh, Jay, as someone who's going to be probably running a session zero in the near future, are there any questions that you have for uh, either of us? What if I fall asleep midway through it? What if I get bored being a GM? What happens? Well, it's good that you did that on the session zero because you probably saved everyone some time. I mean, if you get bored being a GM, you can just stop. You can straight up say, yeah. like, hey, I don't want to do this. Also, might be a little bit generous to say what happens if I fall asleep partway through. <laughs> uh. For those of you that don't know me, I have an exact period of time, about 35 minutes after eating dinner, Often takes place at uh, 7.50 p.m. Where it's just... I will be asleep for 20 minutes. And then I'll be up the rest of the night. It's it's true. Oh, and here's the thing. I, I thought that when... Um, uh, one time I invited Jay to partake in a one-shot I was running... And dear sweet man that he is, he came in and he made somehow an elderly robot character. And Jay was extremely jet lagged because he just got back from across the ocean. And he fell asleep like during the first thing of combat. And I thought that this was a one time thing. I didn't know that. Yeah, the jet lag caused that. But this was just... It did end up keep happening. This is just him. And it's fine. Because I love he's him. He's a sleepy boy. It's because he's like infinity feet tall. But, uh, but, Miles, do you have anything else you'd like to say or add or Jay's anything? told me a couple oh. times I should get diagnosed for narcolepsy, but what are you going to do? I mean, uh, I remember us joking about she... that in high school. I'm not joking. My sister is... Everything was a joke. My sister is diagnosed with narcolepsy, Sue. And she has uh, less uh, symptoms than you do. Does she get medication? I have no idea. Uh, if not, I'm not interested. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, at session zero, you should also discuss if any of you are narcoleptic. Um, honestly, I mean, if... Actually, like, if you have anything like that that you need to bring up, um... Ask the players if they can't play the game, like, if they have to go do something that evening, but everyone else really wants to play. Oh, or, yeah. Or uh, if they just for, fall asleep from narcolepsy. Oh, thank you. Ask, for, ask those people, yeah. like... Ask those people, like, do, do you mind if somebody plays your character for you, or if we play it, if you want to, like, go along anyway, and then we'll tell you what you did? <laughs> Thank you. That's actually yeah. good. You, yeah, you're that's welcome. The thing I'm I've... on top of it. Yeah, and... rules for when to cancel a session because of absences. Mm -hmm. Thank um, you. Yeah, like, I usually have, like, a hard limit of, like, is it two people out? Are we going to cancel then? Um, my my usual limit is half the party. If I've got half yep. the party, I'm probably going to cancel. Um, depending on the actual events, like, in theory, if I had half the party right now... If I had half the party for this upcoming session, I might still I might still run our next session just because y'all aren't doing anything hugely important right now. But like my my session that was going to be on Tuesday, 
we were missing one of the players and we didn't play because of how important it is that that player and those characters are there. Oh, 100%. If you're, like, going to this character's, like, home village or something after they've been away for, like, 20 years or something, it's like, and they can't make it, it's like, sorry guys, I think, I think this is a time we should probably really wait for this person to be back. They just are going to get to be reunited with their long-lost lover. Mm -hmm. Probably should wait for them. And it's honestly, polite. You know what? I'll honestly say, sometimes whenever sessions have to get cancelled because of absences, I know not everybody feels this way, but I always have a moment of like, okay, I mean, we could also just like hang out and talk to each other. I'm cool with that too. Oh yeah, me too, but we fairly do because I don't know. Because We're now we adults. suddenly have free time. Some, You know, <laughs> sometimes a a failed D&D &D night can just be a Jackbox night. Who's Who got Jackbox on their computer? Yeah, do you have any games on your phone? You got games on your phone? Phone. <laughs> you know, I... Miles, do you remember that kid? We, I had that kid in real life on the bus that I took to school my junior year in high school. I had that fucking kid who has got games on your phone, kid. I mean, my... My oldest nephew straight up asked, uh, straight up asked my girlfriend whether or not she had games on her phone. Like, word for word, do you have game? Do you have any games on your phone? Um, and it, it was a funny little moment because I was just like, oh my god, wait, what? How is this still? How is this still a thing? <laughs> but, but you got nieces and nephews that are like Gen Alpha, right? So like they're they're on some other shit. Oh, is that the is that the post Zoomer? For now, at least. It's not the desire to have games on your phone. It's just, like, the inability to understand that games aren't somewhere. Does that make sense? Huh. I guess. Um, but, but yeah, I don't, I don't really have much else to say about Session Zeroes. Um, I'm, oh, wow, I'm really glad we talked about rules for when to cancel games, though, because, like, that is, that is super important. Um, Thank you, Jay. Like I, I'd been thinking about that earlier before I wrote stuff down, and then you know because what made I was think... writing it down, it plum forgot. You know what made me think of it? I was just like, I don't want to do this podcast anymore. What do you do when your players don't want to do their uh, the game anymore? You don't want to do the podcast anymore? No, just for tonight, because I'm too sad. Thank you, everybody, for listening <laughs> right. to the... <laughs> Miles, do you have anything you'd like to plug as in your podcast that you do with Jay that you do the readings with? Yeah, we uh it's called On Air Book Fair. We um we've been reading Percy Jackson and Lightning Thief um and we're about to read fucking Magic Treehouse Christmas in Camelot. Um we've been suffering through Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. I, you guys I, I don't. Like, I, I don't know, know if I'd you say You guys are gonna suffering. have to like take a break in between. Like, you guys recorded what five hours of this the other day? Uh, it was four hours almost on the dot. <laughs> okay, because I was just like sitting in the bedroom, just like playing Monster Hunter Stories two, and just being like, "Wow, it's really late. Like, weirdly late." Sh yeah. Should I like tell? Tell him to, like, 
stop it? Should I just be like the bitchy girlfriend and be like, no, you need to take care of your health. Is that what I think bitchy girlfriends do? Is they go and they worry about your health? He coming to bed, dear? No, sweetie, I got podcasts to do. And then I go and I take the podcast cartridge out of your computer and I'm like- You're just like your father. We we have to we have to talk about uh, we have to talk about our different ideas of what an afterlife would be like and like the moral implications of the existence of an afterlife. <laughs> because the question is why no. should it exist? Uh uh-uh, uh, we're not. You can listen to that infinity hour long conversation on the on air book fair podcast with Jay Miles and Dan. You know, a lot of podcasts, when you're promoing a podcast, you say, leave us a review on iTunes. I think that's what we should do. Maybe that'll, like, get us momentum. Leave us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts, iTunes. Just go on there and uh, literally call us every slur you can imagine. I think it'll reflect more poorly on you. Honestly, I'd love to learn some new ones. I do, too. There hasn't been a new slur in a while. I'd like to know what people are calling me, honestly. All right. Uh, if you want to call, if if you want to engage with us, uh, preferably not with slurs, but uh, <laughs> uh, if you want to engage with us, you can also find us on Twitter, um, on our book fair on Twitter. I'm uh, Avatar Kiora on Twitter. Jay, your one end wizard. Yep. Uh, and I will actually remember to link our link trees on this one as well. Yeah, buy my book. Great. Good job. You don't All actually right, need to. It's, wait, hold on. No, no, no. Miles, Miles has books. No, the yeah, the products, it's different uh, sub-races for half-elves and, and half-orcs. I've made a total of $5.50 on it. Congratulations. Which means I've sold two copies. You gotta report that copies. shit on your taxes. Which means I'm I've sold two very... copies. <laughs> nice. For, were they both to your one friend? Uh, no, I think they were both two, two separate friends. <laughs> uh, yes, Mrs. IRS. <laughs> My friend here just declared income. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, we love everyone. Thanks for listening to us ramble here at Shooting the Sheet. Have a great night. Mwah. you treat miles this way miles seems to be a sweet perfect innocent person so why seems